Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. All right. Um, so tonight, our order of events, we're going to actually start out with a Q&A. We're going to really buck tradition. It's crazy. Um, and then uh, Emma is going to do a reading with some special guests, some special puppety type guests. I don't want to give it away. <laughs> um, and then we will set up a table and Emma can sign your books. Um, all right. So without further ado, everyone, please help me out by silencing your cell phones. And I will introduce tonight's readers. Barbara Dillon is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Fanbase Press, an award-winning publishing company that seeks to produce new and distinctive works that give voice to the themes, ideals, and people that make geekdom so exceptional. Fanbase Press's titles include the 2018 Eisner Award-nominated Quince, the 2019 Ippy Award-winning A Geek's Guide to Cross-Stitch, Journeys in Space, and the 2014 Bram Stoker Award-nominated Fear Worms, Selected Poems. Barbara is also the Director of Marketing Operations for Jamelli Biotech, as well as an award-winning voiceover actress with credits including the Katniss Chronicles and Pendant Audio's Phantom Canyon and Dreamnasium. All right. Emma Steinkellner is an illustrator, writer, and cartoonist living in Los Angeles, California. She's a graduate of Stanford University and is the illustrator of the Eisner-nominated comic Quince. The OK Witch is her debut graphic novel as an author. Visit her online at emmasteinkellner.com and follow her on Twitter and Instagram at msteinkellner. All right, without further ado, please give Emma and Barbara a warm welcome. but I have to turn Ooh. this down a little bit. I, you know what? I have to too. So. Yes, we'll do it together. Hi, everybody. Um, I just want to reiterate that the woman of the evening, Emma Steinkellner, is here, <laughs> and she's absolutely phenomenal and talented. Can we give her another round of applause, please? Oh, uh, again, my name is Barbara. We are here to celebrate and honor Emma tonight because this is the debut of her work as both a writer and an illustrator for The OK Witch, which is an absolutely amazing graphic novel. Um, uh, as we mentioned, we're going to start out with a few questions of Emma about her work on the book. We'll open it up to questions from the audience as well, and then we'll hear a bit of a reading from Emma. So uh, without further ado, Emma, do you want to tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind this? story and and your work on it yeah uh so the okay which is first and foremost it's a story about moth hush who is on the cover um and <laughs> she's a 13 year old girl who feels very out of place in this uh, new england town that she lives in founders bluff and she uh lives with her mom and she finds out that she through very weird circumstances that she is a witch and that she not, not only is a witch, that she comes from a very long line and legacy of witches in this town they live in. Um, and through some trial and error and her really, really trying hard to figure out this magic and be as good as po she can possibly be at it, she figures out a lot more about the sort of 
warped history of her town and the way that uh, a sort of legacy of lies has been papered over um, and how her family and her friend's family is involved in it. And there is some amazing world building that you do from very early on in this graphic novel. What inspired you to take on a story about witches, about middle grade witches, and uh, just the larger uh, OK Witch world as a whole? Yeah, so I I had sort of figured out through a lot of um, self-selecting uh, research, which is I just like stories about teen witches. Uh, <laughs> I just watch a lot of movies and read a lot of comics and, and books about uh, teen witches. Uh, and I, but I didn't feel like it was a genre that had been sort of codified enough, that had been defined enough, even though through all these stories, through decades across countries and cultures, there a lot of similar patterns recreate themselves. Um, and I felt like it was a strong enough genre that it deserved a sort of like, I always say it's like the Scream treatment because I love the movie Scream, uh, which is that Scream takes on the teen horror movie and it does, it sort of um, points out all the tropes and all the all the stereotypes, all the cliches, but it also does a really, really good job of executing them. So I hoped with this book to do that for the teen witch genre and both point out what makes it special in particular, but also just do it pretty classically. And you did an amazing job. At Thank that. you. Yes. <laughs> I feel I tried. Indeed. Indeed. Well deserved. Um, one of the things that we mentioned in the introduction uh, for your work is that you previously illustrated the, the Eisner-nominated Quince, which is amazing. But this is your first foray into both writing and illustrating a singular work. So can you tell us about how you balance those duties and what some of the challenges were to taking on both duties? Yeah, I've, I've worked thankfully a couple of really special uh, projects with my sister Kit as the writer she's she's right there where I can hold her hand almost <laughs> I can do it uh, um, and she is she inspires me so hard I mean she is brilliant at telling character driven funny emotional stories and those are the kinds of stories that I want to write um, so I copied her um, <laughs> But I, uh, when I, as I was uh, getting into the OK Witch, I mean, all the amazing writers that I look up to were kind of swirling around my brain, and uh, and especially because I look up to a lot of writers who uh, know how to use magic in a way that is personal mm -hmm. to the story, and it's not just a separate element; it's really firmly interwoven with the way that the characters feel and think and act and learn. Um, and so there were a couple of elements uh, that were different working on my own. First, uh, I got to be a lot more self-indulgent, <laughs> which uh, was, I, I, I've always been that way as an artist, just like going, what treats can I put in here for myself? Uh, and if you know me and you read this book, you will probably be able to spot them all. Like it's a highlights magazine <laughs> and there's just little things. Uh, but uh, so there was, it's not that there was no one to check and balance me because I had a really brilliant editorial team at, at Aladdin, including Lisa Abrams and Trisha Lynn and Karen Poprocki, our art director. And, uh, but a lot of the storytelling involved just like me really looking inward on what kind of story I would want to read as a young kid. Mm -hmm. and, 
And I, I think I did it. I mean, I really hope to make the story that other kids now will really, really enjoy and cherish, but I know I made one that I would have really liked. <laughs> Uh, for a lot of creators, sometimes when they're initiating a project, they have one vision of it in mind, and then when they're done, something completely different happens. Do you feel in your journey of bringing this project to life that you, there were either challenges that you didn't anticipate or rewards that you didn't anticipate? Yes. Uh, yes, very much. Uh, this book started off having a, being a lot, strongly emphasizing a lot of elements that are still there, but it was that it began as something that it is now that is now a small part of it, which I, I think Moth's relationship with her mother has always been a strong kind of nuclear part of the book. Um, but in early versions, it was that it was the story of her and her mother aging and growing through centuries, kind of in a magical witch's age different than humans way, um, and that mother daughter element and that really strong rolling history element uh that was going to be the book but as it became what it is it really turned more into something that was essentially moth's story and it was her journey and things that she had to learn and grapple with along the way sometimes with her mother's help but sometimes kind of on her own um and I think that turned it into something that it wasn't what I had originally planned but I think it turned it into something that maybe has a little more value for a reader who's growing up. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, and to that point, uh, all of the characters, not just Moth, but her mother, her grandmother, all of the townspeople, mm -hmm. uh, they are so three-dimensional from the get-go. As soon as you're introduced to them, you get a whole picture of who this person is. And so I'm wondering for readers of all ages, what do you hope that they take away, away from these characters and, and what do you think that they'll most connect with about them? I think... There's a, there's a pretty strong theme of what's, what's secondhand and what's handed down in a lot of different, and it expresses in a lot of different ways. Moth and her mom own and operate a secondhand store, like a, a, an antique, a used goods store. Uh, there's this idea of magic being something hereditary, being something passed down and something that changes with each time it, it passes down. Uh, and then there's also the idea of stories and history and how they morph and how they become simpler and how they become maybe more, maybe further from the truth as they go on and get handed down through time and how they change with each telling. And so I think uh, really something I would hope is a takeaway for any reader is not being afraid to look look back and try to get closer to the source and try to figure out, well, if this is me and this is something that someone I love who's a couple degrees away from me is, how do I trace that line? How do I use that to become closer to them? Or if this is a story that I've heard and that everyone in this town thinks is the truth about this town, how do I get closer to the source? In this case, it's time travel, um, which might not be as possible for you, the reader. Um, but how do I dig a little deeper to get closer to what I can believe in? Mm -hmm. 
And the last question I have for you is that, uh, as with any creator and the release of their book, it's quite nerve-wracking, um, but there have no. been loads of amazingly positive reviews out there. So I'm curious, for you, in seeing the book not only come to life, but seeing it reach readers' hands and hearing their feedback, what has your experience been so far? I mean, it's, it's been really... It's been really satisfying and really comforting to to land somewhere this week. I, I it's very funny. Uh, <laughs> I I've been I've been told that I I I was describing my feeling to someone, and they were uh, my feeling of having finished the book and then having to wait basically six months between when it's finished and when it comes out, and. Uh, and I won't leave me in suspense, it was Matt who said this. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was describing this feeling of how I felt. I felt so kind of tense about it. And he said, oh, it's like when you hand in a, a quiz and as soon as you hand it in, you go like, I know exactly what I got wrong. And it's, and it's just out of my hands now. And, and, I, and I, do, I do that to myself. But I also, that also makes it so much sweeter when... <laughs> when people like it. I mean, it, it really means a lot to me to, to be out of that unknown now. Because and, and, I, I like it. I like this book. I like what I made, but it, it feels good to have other, have other people confirm that. <laughs> I think we can give Emma a round of applause that we all love it too. Yes. yes. <laughs> Most of you haven't even read it yet. <laughs> Well, for those who either have or have not yet read the graphic novel, <laughs> is there anyone here that has questions for Miss Emma? Yes. Hi. When you first do an illustration, what size? Don't do it like the size. Oh, great question. Um, well, I work digitally, which is an important thing for everyone to know if that's going to inform any future questions. Uh, so I, I do all my work on a tablet that plugs into my computer, and I use Photoshop. Uh, so I can that makes it very easy to edit, and it also makes it very easy to make everything a uniform size, uh, which this book is five and a half by... <laughs> Eight, Eight inches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> I I can't believe I've seen a set of numbers so many times, and it's just not in my head anymore. Um, but it is those. It has a certain set of dimensions, and so when I'm working on a page, I'll zoom in for each particular. You know, zoom in on my little computer for each particular panel. Depends on how detailed I'm working, because some some pages have. I'm trying to find a very detailed page. All right, here's this map of some witches trekking across coastal Massachusetts. So they're, they're real tinies. Got some like Bruegel style <laughs> little, little tinies that you've got you to zoom in for if you want to know how they look. Um, so when I'm drawing them, I get real close. But other, otherwise, you know, sometimes there's more, uh, less detailed work that I can be a little more big picture on. Does that answer anything? <laughs> Thanks. Excellent. That was a great question. Any other questions? Yes. So, how organic is a witch's thinking in her world at the same time? Does she see the end of the world? Kind of does oh. she worry about oh my goodness. You're getting existential. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, the, is the climate clock striking midnight? It sh if, it's, if it is for all humans, it is for witches too. Uh, it's real. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, um, I think as far as. 
I think one of the recurring elements in witch fiction that I'm always interested in is how so much of the antagonization of witches is because they know too much and that makes us uncomfortable. Uh, I don't, you know, in Macbeth, you have the three weird sisters who can see the entire arc of the story before anyone else can, and that makes them scary and frustrating. Uh, And... I have, uh, Moth's grandmother, Sarah, is a more sort of, is one of those more sort of all-powerful, intimidating presences because she is so powerful and because she seemingly is so much wiser than any of the other characters. But I hoped to, I hope to give everyone a little humanity and a little bit of difficulty relating to one another. So hopefully that makes everyone a little more vulnerable. But uh, I think they, I think they, they show, they show their human card a little bit, a lot too, if that makes sense. Yeah. I wish we had awards for questions because these are fantastic questions. (laughs) These are really good. Absolutely. Anyway, yes. of times things have come image first. Let me do a quick flip. Well, this is funny. There's a, there's a, there's, there's some magic destruction that happens to, uh, (laughs) to a mansion. And after the destruction, I have these pillars that have big chunks taken out of them. And my brother was walking by when I was illustrating them and he goes, why do they have bites taken out of them? And for some reason, that's just how I saw the like aftermath of a big sort of magical event is that there would just be like kunks taken out of big pillars, but they look like bites. So that might be something. That's, that's how I, there is uh, sort of the climax, the climax involves a lot of uh, angry historical ghosts. And I knew exactly how I wanted those effects to look. A lot of the magic effects I needed to have a plan for because otherwise it was just going to be gold sparkles. <laughs> like <laughs> I wanted a way to kind of differentiate differentiate how uh, different magic events would take place. So that took a little more mapping. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. What's the witchiest thing about you? Oh. oh. Zap. <laughs> um, it's the witchiest thing about me. I guess that I can fly. I don't know. <laughs> Weird question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think probably as with anything, like I made magic very emotional in this book. Like it's something that springs out of strong emotions, which I stole from how songs work in musical theater. Um, (laughs) When someone feels something very strongly, they have to sing. In the OK Witch, when someone feels something very strongly, magic happens. Um, And I think that that might be the witchiest thing about me is at least my impulse. Like when I when I'm really frustrated, it does like it does feel like something's going to happen. Like it does feel like sparks are going to come out of my fingertips and they never do. Um, but I, and I don't know if anyone, does anyone else feel that way? Like when, when you just feel something very strongly, you feel like there's going to be a something. Uh, so I guess that, that. (laughs) Yes. 
Hollywood school system. Wow. Because the person was supposedly real or could be born in Do you have anything like that in your book? <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I would, I, I think I can honestly say that most of the, most of the dangerous material in this book is the work of, is the work of the patriarchy, not of, not of magic. <laughs> Are we booing the patriarchy or magic? Okay, cool. <laughs> Good to clarify. Yeah. Yes. yeah, it's important that I know <laughs> yeah. what kind of people are coming. Yeah. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes, two more. Uh, right here. Yes. Are there things you learned or changed about your own craft while writing this book? Constantly, and that it, it's. I think I thought that having my own book and finishing it was going to make me feel like, oh, I am now done. This is how I'm going to write and make art from now to the end of time, because this is fixed now. This is who I am as an author and illustrator. I don't think that at all anymore. I, I mean, I think it's something that is going to be constantly changing. There's so many object lessons I learned from making this. Um, but as far as what happened in the middle of the telling, I think, again, it comes back to my self-indulgence and how I always want to write and draw the thing that I would like, but learning, I learned a lot through making this that what might be more important is drawing and writing the, in the clearest way possible that's going to help the whole story along. So there can be Emma's special little treats for herself, but it's going to be better if I can figure out an, an, Emma, uh, an, Emma <laughs> an economical way for them to serve the current of the story. I think there's a question in the back as well. Yes. I thought about that a lot. Uh, I, I think again, it's it's how. If magic is going to be a fundamental part of the story, how does it interact with the characters and how does it inform what they choose to do and what happens to them? And again, for me, the, the, the primary characteristics of magic in this book are that it is very emotional and very emotionally driven and that it is something that uh, brings families together and also pulls them apart. It, it is... It is hereditary and it, it informs the character of the family. Uh, with Harry Potter, I think magic is something that it's educational and, it, and it's progressional. So it makes a lot of sense that the spells are a little bit simpler in the early books and then they kind of start to learn a little bit more and gather more information about what they can do as their challenges sort of start mounting. Um, I'm trying to think about, uh, and you know, in something like Bewitched, magic is something that's very, uh, it serves the sitcom format. It's something that creates a problem that is then easily fixable also with magic. But, uh, but mine is different. <laughs> no need for those. <laughs> you can, I, I actually believe, I, I truly believe that this can fit in with a lot of other witch and wizard stories. Like that, that was my goal. And I, I think 
uh, I think having a whole smorgasbord of, uh, of magic fiction is very, very good. Yeah. Any final questions? Are we ready for, oh, one final question, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, the, the, the major motion picture Teen Witch, has anyone seen it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, I got so excited because I've been getting really into the show Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. And there's a ghost of a wife. And I was like, I know that face. Oh my gosh, it's Kiki, the girl who breaks her leg after Louise accidentally says, break a leg, Kiki, in Teen Witch. I was, it's one of the proudest, it's one of the proudestest I've been of myself, ever. Um, so Teen Witch is great. Uh, and it's also a musical, which, all, which makes anything better for me. Um, uh, Wicked is really good. Any any Oz thing I'm is catnip to me, but uh, Wicked is it, it's what I it's what I grew up listening to, and it has like the melodies make my heart like twist around. It's so good and so cheesy, and I love it. Uh, <laughs> Sabrina always always fun, and and she's all she's like at the root of like m like making that Teen Witch Colonel what it is in the '60s. And also the new Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I haven't watched the show as much, so I can't speak to that very well, but the comics are great. Yeah. Well, is everyone ready to hear an excerpt from The Ooh, OK Witch? Yeah. Usually audiences uh, know they're buying into an experience that has puppets in it before they go into it. So I'm sorry to spring this on you. Uh, <laughs> there, are, there are some puppets of these characters, just so I can make this reading a little bit easier. Uh, do you want to meet them? Yes! <laughs> this right. is amazing. This is Moth Hush. She's 13 years old, and she just found out that she's a teen witch. This is her mom, Cal. She's just trying her best. This scene takes place right after Moth has had her first magic, which takes place at school when she accidentally has the mouths of some bullies transfigured into her, the palms of her hands. Some, uh, what I call body horror light. Uh, <laughs> Marty, you asked about uh, images that I had in my head before I started doing the book. That was one of them. <clears throat> I'm a witch? I know it doesn't make sense. No, Mom. Everything finally does make sense. I always thought I was just weird. And you never told me? Like, that would make you feel less weird? I didn't want to scare you. Scare me? <laughs> Have you even met me, Mom? I love witch stuff. So what's the real reason you didn't tell me, huh? I was just trying to be a good mother by lying to me for 13 years? Wait, why is this all happening just now? My hands and the glowing and the magic. Explain. You're not the first hush to get her powers at 13, but since you're only half witch, I thought it might skip you. So my dad wasn't a... He's not part of this at all. Oh, oh, what happened at school was first magic. 
a spell your body does on its own uh, when you feel something strongly. When I was 13, I accidentally cracked a fence with my eyes. When my mother was 13, she sent a live pig flying a mile away with her mind. Yikes. <laughs> spell, uh, that's all magic is? Mistakes and pig throwing? First magic. Then you learn to control it. Perform more advanced spells. Spells? Oh my gosh, teach me spells. Uh, I'm really out of practice, Ladybug, and besides, it's not a good idea. I'm a witch. I need to do spells. It's my birthright. <laughs> this isn't all fun and games like your cute magic school cartoon. Magic Cutie Academy, and it's an anime. <laughs> exactly. Real-life witch stuff can be complicated. What's so complicated about the coolest thing to happen in the history of ever? Being a witch isn't always cool. It's usually the opposite. Being a witch can put you in a lot of danger. Like way back in the Founder's Bluff witch hunt? Oh boy, what? Sweets, mommy looks a lot younger than she actually is. <laughs> and it's not just because she moisturizes regularly. Okay, like how old? Like I was born in 1676 old. <laughs> and then this, this second scene is between uh, Moth, who you already met, and, uh, and a character they haven't even talked about yet, who is the free hecking star of the show, Mr. Laszlo. <laughs> the ghost of Moth and Kel's neighbor and friend who uh, is the best and he's come back to them as a cat and we're going to explain it in this scene. <laughs> we'll start off with a meow. <laughs> meow. <laughs> Hi kitty, are you lost? Do you want to come inside? She lets him inside. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Thank you, Moth I was freezing my tuchus off out there. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you can talk? Of course I can talk, Mothki. And if you'll please calm yourself, we can have a conversation. Mothki? Did you just call me Mothki? The only person who ever called me that was Mr. Laszlo? Oh, finally, a little recognition. But Mr. Laszlo, you're... Yes? Dead. <laughs> a small thing. Small? Dead, not small, dead big! <laughs> Mothkib, dearie, please, you'll embarrass yourself, and that's coming from someone who just waited behind the alley at or Honest Bill's Chowder House for garbage oysters. <laughs> no, this isn't happening. Mr. Laszlo died when I was in the first grade. He gave Mom her job and a place to live. He helped raise me. He left everything to us. He was great, but he's dead. I am great, aren't I? I even left you my autographed glamour shot of Diane Carroll. It is you. <laughs> Mr. Laszlo, you're a dead cat. Not a dead cat. A dead man, but very much an alive cat. My mistake. Wait, why are you a cat? Well, of course, you know, when a human dies, their spirit may still hang around. Yeah, obviously. If they have unfinished business, uh, un unfinished earthly business, and your business was to take care of my mothki. I knew you might need me someday, so I needed a host. Some ghosts possess bodies and objects and buildings without asking, make awful noises and terrible chills. Very rude. I prefer to ask politely. 
So I ask this stray cat, and he has no objection. His spirit lives here, too. We're like roommates. <laughs> Laszlo is in here to talk and schmooze and reminisce about the golden age of Hollywood. Kitty is in here to crave tuna and drop dead mice on your doormat. <laughs> Anywho, I come to you with, as the cat, and with such soft fur, you should feel it, uh, to help you, because I want you to be the best witch you can be. You're my familiar. Eh? My familiar. A witch's animal companion who helps them with her ma their magic, if you say so. <clears throat> Mr. Laszlo, I really missed you. I missed you too, Mothki. I even brought you a present. It's right outside. Go outside. Aw. Ah, dead mouse! You love it. I'm so happy. <laughs> Emma. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Emma will be signing copies of The OK Witch in just a few moments, but uh, any final questions before we whisk her away? No? Let's give one more round of applause. Oh, yes, one more. Oh, yes, wow. yes. Are Uh, you can definitely expect more uh, middle-grade graphic novels from me. Maybe with magic, maybe with the magic of friendship. Who knows? <laughs> um, but please, uh, please enjoy this book uh, that, I've, that I've completed. And, uh, <laughs> and also enjoy some refreshments. <laughs> Let's give Emma one more round of applause. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.